Hello and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing The Neighbor Favor by Christina Forrest. This was published in 2023 and, full disclosure, we received a complimentary copy from Berkeley. I could see this being a series. I could see it, but at, right now is a standalone, so. But I could totally see it being a series with her sisters. Yep. Yup. But maybe they just wanted a standalone to see, you know, how she felt. I guess Christina Forrest is a young adult. Like, she writes young adult romance. And this is her first adult romance. Okay. Yeah. So it's her debut adult romance, but not her debut book. And I can tell, I mean, it was a great book. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Same here. So a little bit of a spoiler for how we feel about it, I guess. But... <laughs> Should we read the book jacket? We should. Shy, bookish, and admittedly awkward, Lily Green has always felt inadequate compared to the rest of her accomplished family who strive for Black excellence. She dreams of becoming an editor of children's books, but has been frustratingly stuck in the nonfiction division for years without a promotion in sight. Lily finds escapism in her correspondences with her favorite fantasy author, and what begins as two lonely people connecting over email turns into a tentative friendship and possibly something else Lily won't let herself entertain. Until he ghosts her. Months later, still crushed but determined to take charge of her life, Lily seeks a date to her sister's wedding. And the perfect person to help her is Nick Brown, her charming, attractive new neighbor, whom she feels drawn to for unexplainable reasons. Little does she know that Nick is an author, her favorite fantasy author. Nick, who has his reasons for using a pen name and for pushing people away, soon realizes that the beautiful, quiet woman from down the hall is the same Lily he fell in love with over email months ago. Unwilling to complicate things even more between them, he agrees to set her up with someone else. Though this simple favor between two neighbors is anything but. Not when he can't get her off his mind. You know, I, honestly, no issues at all with this book jacket. I think it does a really good job. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's totally fine. Yeah, totally agreed. Well, that said, even though we both thought the book jacket was perfectly fine, we wrote our own summaries based on a random number generated between zero, well, not zero, one and 50. <laughs> and um, let's see, I'll, I'll start. Here's my 14 word summary. Lily wrote a heatstroke-induced email to her favorite author. Now they're romantic pen pals. You mirrored the real jacket pretty closely. I did. Is, when that happens, you can tell that it's a good jacket. Yes. We only had 14 words, so I couldn't do, like, the, the twist part where he ghosts her. But, you know. How about you? My 14-word summary. She's terrible at boundaries. He has too many. So this adult man gets therapy. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry, but spoiler alert, I loved this third act resolution. It was amazing. Yeah, there is not a third act breakup. Nope. But there is a third act maturing. Yes, it's like a third act realization. If I want to be with this woman, I got to step up. And he does by, again, getting therapy. 
Oh my God. I love, I love that. I love that journey for both of them. It's amazing. <laughs> I was so into it. Uh, what are the, what are the tropes of this book besides therapy? I mean, it's not a trope, but it should be. If only. Right. <laughs> um, so this has the first 15% is an epistolary romance. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so it's pen pals through email and it was super cute. And also it, the thing that I think is hilarious is that Lily apparently Googles her favorite author on a regular basis. He doesn't actually have a website. And this may sound weird to you, but this is something that like I I used to do with my mm -hmm. favorite authors. I would just like visit their websites to be like, hey, what's going on? I still remember the day I found out one of my favorite authors died was because I just visited his website and it had been updated. And I was like, oh my God. I think it was a more normal thing to do before Goodreads <laughs> before, and Amazon before Instagram. Books <laughs> and Twitter and Instagram because uh, e at, even at the beginning of the interwebs, it's not like there were aggregators for useful information about your favorite authors, whereas now like you'd follow their publisher on Instagram and be updated automatically. But to be fair, his publisher went out of business. Correct. I, I understand so, why it happened in her specific yes, case, but yes. I think even you don't Google authors randomly as much as you once did. That is true. I don't normally Google them as randomly as I used to. I just go to Instagram and start typing in their name. And then I'm like, wait, is this, is this an author? Or is this someone who has the same name? Yep. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, so they, yes, they're pen pals, but he is it's very weird because he he has a secret identity kind of he has a nom de plume yes very normal he writes to her and doesn't tell her nk strickland is not my real name it's a nom de plume mm -hmm. And apparently he keeps talking about the fact that his emails were in British. <laughs> I thought this was, I thought this was hilarious, actually. He, he was like, yeah, I kept up the British accent. And I was like, well, you can't, you can't have an accent, accent when you write. Accent in email. But I understood exactly what he meant. I understood what Christina Forrest meant, was that he would, like, put British slang in there. <laughs> yeah. But it was just, it was pretty funny. Um, it was. But so, but he also kept the fact that he was this author from people who knew him in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that that's, he, yeah, that's as a man, was a completely separate entity than the author's persona. Yeah, absolutely. She needs a date for the wedding. I mm -hmm. think this is one of the most common modern romance tropes, whether or not it is a central plot point, usually yes. getting your hero and heroine to a wedding, especially when they aren't quite sure who they are to each other is of the utmost importance. Yes. I did think this one was funny because it went in a slightly different direction than I expected. I expected him. So she was like, I need a date for the wedding. And he was like, I cannot be your date for the wedding. So she's like, okay, fine. It, it turned into flirting lessons. Right. Which is teach me how to find a date for the wedding. <laughs> yeah. But that pretense. It it did, but I still was, I thought she was 
going to cut out that middleman <laughs> trope. <laughs> yeah. She has a big, crazy family. Which is contrasted with his toxic family of origin. Yep. She has, oh my gosh, she has a cat who just knows when people are good or not. Her cat is like afraid of men, but he's not afraid of Nick for some reason. And her niece is afraid of people and she's not afraid of Nick for toddlers and pets, man. They're (laughs) litmus tests. You know, if you want to know whether your boyfriend is, you know, a keeper or not, just hang out with some pets. I mean, your cat used to hate me, though. Minx. Oh, not my current cat. My current cat is an angel. Yes. Uh, And my old cat, in my defense, hated literally everyone. So it's not, it's not that if a cat hates you, you're a bad person. It's that if you are the one person a cat likes, you are a good person. Okay. Yes, that's true. That's true. So maybe not a good litmus test, actually. I think if you have enough pets. Enough pets. (laughs) One of them should warm up. Um, loved the grand gesture. It's a, it is a grand gesture you have seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, that involves a public declaration, mm-hmm. but because it wasn't a public declaration of please take me back. I'm so sorry because there was no third act breakup. It felt new, oh. even though it was a trope. So good. I'm like, I'm here. My hands are up. I'm just like shouting hallelujah. Yes, it was so good. I was so fucking nervous about 75% of the way through this book. Uh-huh. And then it went the best possible way it could have gone. Yep. I felt the way um, when I, I told Meg to read Shadow and Bone, mm-hmm. that series, and she was like, motherfucker, if Lane lent me this series, and it's going to be her and this asshole Darkling guy. Yes. And then she finished it and, and she ended up with Mel. And she's like, oh, I really liked that. And like it's how like, that's like how I felt book. like I was really prepared to be enraged about like a very bad decision. And then I was like, oh, this is perfect. Yes, that's that. that I totally agree with you. That's exactly, exactly how it was. Uh, and then she works in publishing and she has a terrible boss. I think this could go, I mean, publishing is a trope, but it's I. It's one of I, the acceptable romance novel professions. Yes. It could also be fashion. Or architecture. Yes. There you go. <laughs> and I would say publishing slash journalism. Yes, because fashion magazines that that combines the publishing yeah. and the fashion part. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I mean, we loved this book. <laughs> it was really, really, really fun. It was great. Um, one of the things I especially loved about it. So I've talked on the podcast before about how I really like science fiction and fantasy. Um, and Nick is a fantasy author and he wrote what should be the first in a series, but never got the next few off the ground because his initial publisher went under uh, about black elves. So he's a black author and one of their dates that they go on, I thought was so cute. I mean, I feel like this is a date for any bookworm, right? They go to the bookstore and they like, go to the science fiction and fantasy section and just pick out books for each other. (laughs) It was really cute. I also felt like making the point that the delay between the first and second book was not caused by like writer's block. It was caused by 
his publisher shutting down, there being no money in it, the book hadn't sold, oh well. And then even when he is forced to go back to the writing room, forced mm-hmm. like he's excited to, but it's like, oh shit, there is an appetite for a sequel, gotta knock it off out in a year. He does. Yes. So yes, there's the seven year gap between his books, but it only took him a year to write the book. Mm-hmm. Felt, and maybe I'm just too insidery, but it felt like a snide commentary on all of these damn white male sci-fi authors who take a billion goddamn years with no excuse. Um, I do not think that you are wrong. Like they, there was a part where he was like, I saw myself as like the black George R. R. Martin. And then he's like, but you know, maybe I'm not like in a good way. <laughs> But I mean, it's not just George R. R. Martin. Yep. No, 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 it's not. It's not. Um, but I, I also really, I really liked how she name dropped these um, black and other um, authors of color. Like she did it so well. It felt really integrated into the text. So she talked about N.K. Jemisin, R.F. Kuang, Amela Motar, Tochi Anyabuchi, all these authors who I love. Anyone should love if you like science fiction and fantasy. But then... They bond over their love for this woman, this author named Elena Masterson. And I was like, ooh, these books sound great. And I actually went to look them up and I was like, oh, she's not real. I could tell. but And this is not a criticism of Christina Forrest at all um, because Elena got page time. That, yes, that's when and even I was. When, like, they did the same thing when they were talking about music. Yeah. If they referenced a song in passing, um, or an artist in passing, those were real. But if they were artists that were clients of her sisters and they were even just in terms of like, I work with this person levels of character, they were fake. Yes. I mean, I, I the first, when they first talked about Elena Masterson, I was like, oh, this, she sounds great. And I like went to look her up and I was like, oh, she's not here. And then later they went to a book signing and I was like, okay, that's fair. Yeah. So fair. she integrates pop culture, both science fiction authors and also a lot of the songs of my youth Yes. Really, I, I love like really that seamlessly part. with yes. fake characters in this universe. Yes. I, really well done. Like, yes. honestly, really well done. They didn't, it didn't feel like, oh, these are the fake over the top ones mm-hmm. and these are the real ones. It just felt like this is a universe and this is yep. here. But um, her, so one of her sisters, she has two sisters. So they're both very uh, successful. One works for a makeup company and the other is a, um promoter stylist stylist excuse me yes she's a stylist her fiance is the promoter and one of the things i loved like the bachelorette party that they did sounded like the most fun i don't even like bachelorette parties and i wanted to go to this bachelorette party right like one of the world's most famous rappers giving you her miami mansion yes yes i'm in (laughs) yes i would not say no leaving early at 3 a.m and hitting a drive-thru on the way back Yes, please. It was perfect. I I like I really liked it. I think that does bring up her relationship with her family, which I yes. really liked a lot. As the official book jacket says, uh, her sisters are very successful. Her parents are successful. They run a nursery, but like a successful one. <laughs> it was a little eye rolly that it was made very clear that everyone in this book was under thirty and like making six figures and uber successful. Mm-hmm. That's a criticism I have of modern romance as a genre. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand that it's no different than everyone in historicals being a duke. Right. I 
to have problems disassociating from reality when it's these people going to parts of New York I recognize from my college days. Yes. I mean, this is one of the really big reasons that we don't consume a ton of contemporary is because it is harder for us to be like, this is a fantasy, mm-hmm. you know? So I I respect that. I totally yeah. get it. I like, again, I, this is not a criticism of the neighbor favor at no, no, all. No. It's just contemporary romance. Everyone is a 27-year-old billionaire. Yes. What I liked about it here is that because Chris, because Lily is not, she's trying to break into publishing mm-hmm. and she's starting, you know, in the lower ranks. She feels compared all the time with her sisters. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, it wasn't just like everyone's rich. It was my family's really successful and they expect me to be successful too. And I feel pressure from them and also within myself. And I don't know how to tell them to back off. Exactly. So that I really, I thought worked for me. It did. I really, I don't want to come off as an asshole. I kept thinking I was waiting for something to go in a direction I didn't like. Uh Uh-huh. And not just in the end, but like, oh God, we've hit 60% and like, here's the, this is fight's going to suck. And like, I just kept waiting for it to be tropey in a way that I'd find eye rolly. And it never was. I know. The pace kept moving. The only thing that frustrated me as a reader was how much of a doormat Lily was at work. Mm -hmm. But like, it frustrated me because I know people like that and I want to shake them. Mm -hmm. And it does make her eventual, you know, breakthrough at the end, feel that much more earned. It's a trope, but I didn't even put anything about it in because it's so spoilery. No. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say exactly what happened. Right. No, no, that's what I'm saying. I wanted to be like trope, but I held myself back due to the high level of spoiler. Yes. Yes. But it was, it, it felt really earned and it felt that much more fun. Right. Like, it's not like it was a surprise. It's not like I wasn't (laughs) expecting this to happen, but Christina Forrest wrote it in a way that made me feel really excited when it did happen. Yes. And also at the same time, like a little bit apprehensive, like how is it going to happen? Part of what Lily did, I was like, I was actually really surprised at when she did it, at her timing for it. Because I would have thought that she was, you know, a little a little more doormatty than she ended up being at the end. And again, that added to the pleasure of reading it. Yes. Okay, do we talk about the one thing? <laughs> the one thing that we probably should have, we always say we hate, is when someone's lying to the other person. Oh, yeah. Which happens for a significant amount of this book. Here's the thing. Was I annoyed about it while I was reading it? Yeah. Did I want him to come clean about his dual identity earlier yeah it happened so much earlier than i was expecting Mm -hmm. that even though i hate that plot device and like i wanted her to kick him out on his ass over it i was still just like oh my god this is chapters sooner i'm gonna get so much more of their dynamic i'm so much more fine with it than i usually am yeah so i mean i guess what we're saying guys is that we this book was tropetastic as most of the best romances are, but the way she used the tropes was really original. 
she made every choice for the better for a modern reader who is not interested in heroines who take a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it was really interesting for me to read a character who did have a problem with boundaries, who was a people pleaser, who had made a lot of mistakes in terms of failing to assert herself, still have a standard for how she should be treated in a relationship. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's a there would be a real tendency to say, okay, I'm going to write a doormat character so I don't really have to write a whole lot about her, like, growth with this guy. Mm-hmm. Because her character would just forgive him. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I yes. Mm-hmm. Because, and here's the thing, too. You know he's going to come clean eventually, somehow. It's right? just, a, it's a matter of when and how. It's a matter of when and how. You know she's going to forgive him. Again, it's a matter of how quickly... When, why, you know, and all of those things just fell into line and worked so well. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought his own family was great. Yes. Like, I don't even want to say something snarky about the gay best friend because I thought it, like, worked here. Loved him. I, I loved it. Feel it didn't feel, it didn't feel like I'm going to write a gay best friend. Yep. It felt like I'm going to write this guy's roommate who happens to be gay. Who is just like his brother, who is also his agent, who he has this really dynamic relationship with. Mm-hmm. Oh, and his husband's name is Caleb. Yep. No notes. It was perfect. Like, honestly, I bitched about token queer best friend, aunt, whatever, so many times. And I'm like, I have no criticism. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I think the thing is, too, is, is it, it wasn't a token thing. Like, it was right. a real character. And you, you're right. Like, this is how you write that. Yep. You know, so if you're wondering what we mean by, you know, the differences in these things, check this book out. Yep. Uh, are there any content warnings? I think that's a good segue. Yes. Um, I feel very strongly that if you come from a family where you were often parentified, mm. where, you know, you felt pressure to please your parents and be complicit in their wrongdoing, and especially if you come from a family where one parent regularly chose the other and the dysfunctional relationship over the good of the children, this is going to be a hard read. Mm-hmm. I know people like that. I know people I will not be recommending this book to unless they specifically tell me they're seeking out something that represents mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think part of it too is it's not poorly written. No, I'm not saying it's badly depicted nope. at all. Exactly. I'm just saying you don't want to read about that. Be warned. Yeah. That's what content warnings are for. There you go. Um, I will say it's not like it, when you read this, you're not reading a book that's like about racism, but she does face some racism in the workplace. Yes. So there you go. There are a few times where like she goes out with friends at work and um, they're like, yeah, we're like the only black people in the entire building basically <laughs> the book constantly talks about yep. the paucity of writers of colors and especially female writers of color in the sci-fi space mm-hmm. in a way that did not feel preachy but like no it, it did not avoid pointing out yep exactly also, like, the other reason i'm slightly less annoyed about the everyone's a gajillionaire thing is because like fuck yeah black excellence is mm-hmm. like just to read a, a family of people who are successful in a ton of different trades and none of them are rapper or mm-hmm. football player was like, hell yeah, okay, great, you're all teenage billionaires. Yeah, why not? 
<laughs> do I recognize this life? No, but did if, I, you know, there's a thousand books where white people are way too successful at 27. This should yeah. exist too. Exactly. All right. Any, any other content warnings, anything else you want to point out? That was my big one. Yeah. How uh, was this book sexy? It wasn't supposed to be. Look, this book is explicit. There's one scene, one sex scene, and like one or two make-out-y kind of scenes. There's two sex scenes. Okay. Um, that uh, That's, number one, it's not, I think, the point of the book, but also I'm glad that they were there. I think there's a difference between explicit in the sense of like, you've written me an entire chapter that uh-huh. is just like the creation of an erotic moment versus explicit in the sense of you are not afraid of telling me where their hands are. Mm-hmm. This was not afraid of telling me where their hands were, but it was not interested in creating a universe in their bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it does what we want with a sex scene, which is yes. that it furthered their relationship and their emotions. And I bought that they were real hot for each other. And oh, yeah. Without getting too into spoiler town, loved when they finally decided to have sex. I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. So anyway, this was a delightful surprise of a book. I really don't know what I expected when I read it, but I don't think I expected something like this top. It has the contemporary romance cover trend that I am scared of. Yep. It had a trope I was scared of. Mm -hmm. It had secrets I was scared of. And I just read the whole thing. I felt like, you know, Nick waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it yes. never did. Yes. You know <laughs> what? It, you are so right. Because that's how I felt reading this book. Like, I felt like there was going to be a moment where something happened that I wasn't into or something bad was going to happen. And it she just, like, weaved her way through all those obstacles. It was great. Loved it. I would definitely be interested in reading something else from this author. Probably not her young adult novel. So if you uh, make this a series. Well, you have two readers who will be ready to read it. I will continue reading it. For sure. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please write, review, subscribe, and check us out wherever you can find Plotris.